relationships. Our lives revolve around them. Family, friends, work or romance. They are complicated and messy. And don't always work out like we want. God made us for each other. Maybe he can show us a better way to be together. This is not your average relationship talk. All right. Good evening. How are we tonight? So good. I like that. Thanks, Wade. That was nice. Um, so we've had uh, a great journey through the series already. We've covered some big topics. We've had some awkward moments. I can guarantee tonight is not going to be any different. Tonight uh, is not going to be your average talk. Tonight we're talking about physicality uh, in relationships. I like the word physicality because if you put on a promotion that you're going to be talking about sex and masturbation and things like that, not a lot of people show up because I think it's going to be like a 40-minute talk on what makes Jesus cry. Um, we tricked you. You ready? No, I'm kidding. Um, so uh, tonight we're going to delve into some of the issues uh, that wouldn't normally get talked about on a regular, on a regular basis. Uh, it's actually been really interesting as I have been preparing for tonight. Uh, because this topic is so large uh, and challenging and, and a whole lot of people got a whole lot of different views and things like that, and uh, I can, tonight I'm only going like, to scratch the surface about a number of these things. Um, I found myself asking a whole lot of questions, things like, What's going to be helpful? What are some things that are gonna uh, that people are desperate to hear but aren't normally talked about? Uh, what are some of the things that are talked about uh, but maybe lack the sensitivity uh, or understanding of certain situations? What can I say about this topic that is going to be freeing? What will people take away? Will they be open to hear everything, or they catch one sentence out of context and use it as a nail in my coffin? I like that, a slow little permeation through, that was nice. Uh, these are the questions that have guided my preparations for tonight, and I'll gladly and quickly admit that I am not an expert in this area, nor that I've had a lifetime of experience with this either. I'm 28, I've only been married for three and a half years, and I grew up in the church, so I'll be speaking from the perspective of that 28-year-old who has wrestled with what he knows about physicality and relationships. One who has been and seen friends and family hurt by it being misused. One who has personally experienced the joy of it done right in his own life and in the lives of others. One who's wrestled with this crazy sexual chemistry we have within us. And I speak with the hope that it will be freeing and uplifting whilst also being incredibly uncomfortable and awkward. So, are you ready to get physical? That would have been great if I had that song there as a little segue bit, but that's okay. Well, thank you. We'll move on. So let me pray. Father God, uh, yeah, I, I really hope that this is a night where there's a lot of freedom. There's a lot of openness of understanding. Maybe you want to speak to people in a new way. I ask that you use uh, these words that I've prepared to really uh, reach into people's hearts and souls and touch them. In your name we pray, amen. So perspectives are important. And before we get into talking about physicality, we need to talk about perspective. 
our perspective, which is built by our experiences, our traditions, and our personal life lessons. I read a story a while ago about an explorer. He went into the, the jungles of Africa, I think it was, and he uh, started uh, building relationships with this, this little village. And after being there for a couple of years or so, he decided it was time for him to take someone from the tribe out from the jungle and back into the real world. And so he did. He, he picked the person and they were leaving. And as they uh, came out of the, the jungle, out from the jungle into the fields, the explorer pointed out across the field to a buffalo that was standing in the distance. And he goes, oh, look at that water buffalo over there. And the tribesmen looked in that direction and then looked back at the explorer then look back at the water buffalo and like, what are you talking about? That's an insect. I grew up around water buffalo. They're big, crazy, beasty beasts. They're not that small. What the explorer realized is that the, this tribesman had never left the jungle. So he had never experienced the fact that the beast that he grew up with, that the beast he was so accustomed to, could be that, but at a distance. He had never understood the distance thing. For him, Buffalo had always been this big, right there in immediate presence. It's never been a distance thing. Perspective means a lot when we talk about how we use our bodies in relationships too. Another example of this. So imagine you're walking through a park. Imagine you see a young couple that you know. You don't know them like heaps well. You know them a, a little bit. And you see them, they're walking through the park, they're holding hands, they're laughing, they're joking around, maybe there's the occasional kiss or something like that. And you know they've just started dating. Our perspective on that scenario is like, ah, oh, young love, it's beautiful, it's wonderful. But if we were to change our perspective, say over here, to a traditional Christian European view, they're thinking, oh, they're holding hands. They must be engaged. They're kissing. Hang on, but I don't see wedding bands on their fingers. I must go tell our pastor so that he can pull them up about it because that's not okay. Or say we go over this way to a secular worldview. Oh, that's nice. I wonder if they're sleeping with each other yet. I wonder if they've moved in together. I wonder if you know, they're a right match, if they're the right ones for one another. Or you go all the way over here to a radical Middle Eastern religious view. How dare they be in public without a chaperone? How dare the girl dress that way? Does she not know how provocative and scandalous she is being? We must deal to this. It's interesting how one scenario can be viewed differently in all these different perspectives. And we need to be aware of that. And this hit home to me. Three and a half years ago, when I met Vika for the first time, we started dating. To me, we were doing the normal things like holding hands, all those typical like starting of dating things, just like in that little example I did. But for her, she had this perspective of, if I'm holding hands, that's like a sign of being engaged to someone. We, we could probably get away with it in, in, in private, but in public, no, we can't do that at all. Otherwise, people will think things. Perspective is important, and we need to be aware that our perspective on physicality is different, radically different to a large part of the world. As Christians, our traditional perspective on physicality is completely countercultural to the world we live in. A very generalized Christian 
traditional Christian perspective is that uh, for a couple, they, they start off being friends, do the dating thing, they then become engaged, they then get married, and then that is when sex happens. Whereas a very generalized secular worldview would be that the whole relationship actually starts off at a sexual encounter. Then the friendship is based off that, and if the partnership turns out to be a good one, then maybe engagement, maybe marriage is on the cards if we can afford it. They're completely opposite to each other, completely round different ways. But how did it get this way? Since the 60s, the Christian perspective has veered away from secular perspective at an increasing rate. For a good portion of our modern history, our current perspective on sex was actually the same as the secular modern world. That being that for times sex equaled pregnancy, which equaled children, and you, you can't raise children outside of the family environment, so in order to have sex, you should be married. But in the 60s, there was a great leap away from this thinking. This was due to the introduction of, of birth control and other uh, contraceptive measures. All of a sudden, sex and pregnancy began to separate, which meant the secular view of having sex only in marriage began to change. Now you could have sex without the pregnancy, which meant there would be no child that needed to be raised in a family environment, which meant, hey, we can now have sex without the need to get married. Woo! I don't, I don't think they would have said woo quite like that in that time. I added that myself. All right, moving on. This whole change of thinking started something they called the sexual revolution. And ever since then, things have ramped up in a major way. We now live in an incredibly hypersexual environment. Sex is everywhere. There are still societies out there that have a strict view on sex outside of marriage, to the point of it being illegal and or punishable. But the majority would now subscribe to this open, hypersexual culture. So what's our perspective in relation to this. So from what we read in scripture, it's pretty, it's pretty straightforward. It says that sex is okay only within a committed lifetime male-female relationship and nowhere else. It's, it's pretty, pretty clear-cut. And it's this clear-cutness that causes issues in today's hyper-sexual world. In 2010, the New Zealand Baptist Assembly wrote a paper to be used as a resource to help people like myself, sound smart, but also get up and talk about physicality. In that paper, I found this. Traditional Christianity has understood all sexual relationships outside of marriage to be sinful. Until recently, Western society has, at a public level, reinforced this viewpoint. This is now no longer the case. The traditional view is seen as idealistic and not realistic, as unnecessarily negative and restrictive and discriminatory, especially of gay and lesbian relationships, and is outdated. The emerging view may well go far as to argue that sex is to be expected long before marriage, and not to do so is to be unfair, perhaps even immoral, to the relationship. Sex is now perceived as a pleasurable activity that will perhaps even must occur on an ongoing basis for ne nearly all adult people, whether they are in a marital, marital, it's such a hard word to say fast, in a marital, don't even sure I'm saying it right, relationship or not. The only social legal restriction is that there should be mutual consent. 
Sexual right and wrong is assessed not according to the gender or mutual status of partners, but whether the relationship is an expression of love and perhaps commitment. This puts the traditional Christian perspective on sexuality at a huge variance from society. It means that Christianity's position in relationship in relation to sex, as it's traditionally understood, will be a stumbling block to some potential converts embracing the faith. It will also mean that sexually pastoral issues, sexuality pastoral issues, will become increasingly complex and that there will be people within our congregations who do not fully accept the traditional Christian sexual ethic. And it may also lead to some, exist, some exiting the back door of the church because their desires, practice, or understandings no longer coincide with those of the church on issues of sex and marriage. I think what this paper says, and in, in, in this, this, this is just one paragraph of the whole thing, um, but I think this is a great assessment of the void between the way we view this, how we view sex, and how the secular world does, and how they view our tradition of this. This is a common view of people looking in on the way we do things. Are we okay with the way they see it? Because I'm not. Did you hear the words in that statement? All sexual relationships outside of marriage are sinful. The traditional view is seen as idealistic, as unnecessarily negative and restrictive, as discriminatory and outdated. Christianity's position in relation to sex will be a stumbling block. Sinful, negative, restrictive, discriminatory, outdated, a stumbling block. These are not good words. Something needs to change. And I'm not standing here and saying we need to change our views on marriage and sex. That's a discussion for a whole other series, and there's no way I'd be adequate to talk in that one. I'm a huge believer in marriage and that it should be where sex takes place. There are so many reasons why, but here are three practical ones that I like. Security. If you have a child, you're already in an established relationship. They're committed to each other and to stick it out. Your partner isn't going to ditch you. Intimacy. The person you're having sex with knows you intimately. You have a strong friendship. You know what they love. You're not wondering if they're going to take advantage of you. Chemistry. When you have sex with someone, a chemical bond is formed through the magic of pheromones and hormones. It's an unseen chemical attachment. If you save sex for marriage, it's like giving that person a whole box of chocolate chemical connections. If you don't, if you have multiple partners, those chemical connections are still formed with those partners. It's then like you're giving someone a box of chocolate chemical connections, except there's only the peppermint ones left. And that weird cherry one that nobody likes either. This is also why when you've had sex with someone or if you've been exceptionally physically intimate with them, why you can still feel them or have memories of them. Your body is still longing for that chemical connection that you had formed. What I'm saying is something needs to change in the way we talk and we act on the topic of physicality in particular in the way we talk about sex. We don't like talking about sex. For a good part of a modern Christian tradition, talking about sex is a taboo, save for the confessional, 
not something you would openly start talking about. It's uncomfortable and it's awkward. The hard thing is, we live in a world that loves to talk about sex. I feel like I can't go for a drive without hearing a song that is laden with, with sexual referencing or sexual content. What I did is I actually grabbed some lyrics from some songs. And I want to see if you can figure out who's singing these songs. I love the giggles from the back row. That's fantastic. All right. Let's see if you can figure out which, which song this is from. See you licking frosting from your own hands. Want another taste? I'm begging. Yes, ma'am. I'm tired of all this candy on dry, dry land. That might not sound too sexual, but this song is actually all about oral sex. And that is Cake by the Ocean by the DNC, or do you say dance or dints? Because it doesn't have any vowels in the name. I'm going to call it dints because I think that's better. Um, what about this one? Are you brave enough to let me see your peacock? Don't be chicken boy. Stop acting like a B word. I'm a piece, I'm a piece out if you don't give me the payoff. That, of course, is Katy Perry's peacock. When I walk in the spot, yeah, this is what I see. Everybody stops and they're staring at me. I got passion in my pants and I ain't afraid to show it. Show it, show it. Show it. I'm sexy, and I know it. LMFAO, I'm sexy, and I know it. What about this one? When my lover lays down beside me, my fragrance filled the room, his head resting between my breasts. The head of my lover was a sachet of sweet perfume. The sweet fragrant curves of your body, the soft spice contours of your flesh, invite me and I come. I stay until dawn breathes its light and night slips away. You're beautiful from head to toe. My dear love, beautiful beyond compare, absolutely flawless. And no, that's not something I wrote about my wife. This actually comes from Song of Songs. Uh, it's the message translation of Song of Songs, which is in our Bibles. Some of you are like, What? We don't like talking about it. We don't like talking about sex. Uh, yet we have this whole beautifully written book of the Bible dedicated to these intimate sexual interactions with one another. Why, why are we weird about sex when it talks about it in this way? It's, it's conveyed as this beautiful, amazing thing, a thing of creation, a thing of, of wonder. It's because we don't like dealing with sex. It's, it's one of those issues where it, it'd be easier to deal with... Uh, Sorry, tongue-tied. It's one of those issues where we'd like it to be easier to deal with than what it is. We say to our young people, resist. Don't give in to the temptation of your loins. Resist. Don't do the things you shouldn't do. But in, in today's world, there's like saying, hey, here's a paper cup of water. Go put that house that's on fire out. It, 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 it's, it, it's, it's, it's tricky. It's, it's hard. And eventually, you know, we would do something, an inappropriate thought, or we would go too far, and we would be burdened by this incredible guilt, this overwhelming shame. Now, a number of years ago, a friend of mine who I grew up with, like all through the church, like we did the same, we had basically the same lives, uh, same school, same churching experience, involved in the same areas within church and things. Uh, and this person was terrified to come and tell me that they had actually started sleeping with their partner, terrified to tell someone, a follower of Jesus, about the, the fact that they had done this or were doing this. Terrified. 
is that how we want people to come to us if they needed to talk about these sensitive issues and things? We, we do need to be careful with sex and sexually related content. It can get us into a lot of trouble. You know, if we let it run riot, we can get hooked on the dopamine uh, rush that we get in our brains when we look at pornography. It can lead to sexual addiction as well. We, like, we just go out and have too much sex. And it can rewire our brains. It can change the way we think so we get hooked on this stuff. Uh, for those that don't know, dopamine is the same thing that gets released by your brain when you're doing hard drugs. And that's why things like pornography and stuff can be so addictive because it's the same pleasure centers in your brain. It also can create new neural pathways and things so that your mind constantly goes along the same tracks in terms of the way it thinks about things because it knows that if it does that, it's going to get to this amazing pleasure place. Just like it can be addictive that way, it also, if we get addicted to perverse sexual content, it can totally change the way we see the world, and this is where things like rape and domestic violence and things like that come out of, this warped perception of reality because of these, because we've let this kind of sexual stuff run riot, and when we open ourselves up to that kind of stuff, the devil likes to get in there and just cause absolute chaos with the way you think and the way you view the world. It loves, he loves to destroy what is supposed to be beautiful. But that is being said, and those are extreme examples. That is being said with the fact that we shouldn't attach all this guilt and shame on our natural feelings. God put this crazy sex drive in us for a reason. Our sexual feelings weren't an effect of the fall. They were always there. We were meant to be attracted to one another. Let me say that again. We were designed, made, created to be attracted and be attractive to one another. That was part of the plan the entire time. We live in a hypersexual world. We need to be able to navigate it. Simply saying, don't do that, it's naughty, doesn't cut it anymore. We're being exposed to sexually related content at a far younger and faster rate than ever before. Our chemistry will always respond in a certain way. Our bodies are wired to respond to certain things. And, the, and we're wired to respond a certain way to the content we see. We shouldn't demonize these feelings, but learn healthy habits and thought processes to help us navigate it. This leads us to the S word. You know it's not sex because I've already said that one. I think we need to be careful about how we throw around the word, the word sinful. Because it has uh, a lot of baggage and not every believer understands what it fully means. To me, and this is my take, this is Bernie Cowan's take on sin. It's a little scratch on the pot of, of what it's like. But to me... We have to remember that sin is anything outside of the way that God wants things to be. And to repent is to turn back from the things that God didn't intend us to do. Sin is equal to rebelling against uh, the way God intended things to be. Sin in action is declaring war against God's order of things. I don't want to be in a war with the creator of the universe. He's probably got things way better planned out than I do. 
But we seem to have added this extra meaning to sin. It's like this shameful curse we carry. It's like a plague. We have to avoid it and those it associates with so that we don't catch it. This comes to play a lot when it comes to talking about sex. We use sin as a divider in a really interestingly particular way. It becomes synonymous with impurity. You've had sex. You're now unclean. Be gone, you dirty, dirty, dirty thing. A significant part of our modern understanding about this comes from Augustine. Significant part, not all of it, significant part of the way we think this way. So just a guy. It is, it is reinforced by some verses and stuff like that, but a, a large portion of our modern theology comes from Augustine when it comes to this stuff. And when he was younger, he loved to sleep around, like a lot, like a crazy amount a lot. Like he probably had the most whacked out dopamine addiction because he was sleeping around with so many people. When he became a Christian, he constantly struggled with this, with this want to sleep around. He didn't understand like we understand about these types of things. So he blamed his thirst for sex on his sinful flesh. His own difficulty with managing his physicality then became imported into his theology, with original sin being passed down via sperm. That same view affects us today as recipients of his theology. That's where a significant portion of this confusing idea about dirty sexness comes from. So how far is too far then? Where's the line? A lot of tonight's talk has been focused around sex. It's a big part of this physicality topic. But we, we do get hung up on the sex part. Mainly because sex is seen as the big naughty. You can do all that other stuff. Just don't get caught sexing it up. It's not good. We forget that physicality is, is, is this bigger thing. And we just focus on the sex part because that's the naughty part. And Jesus cries if we're naughty. So as long as I don't have sex, I'm good. He created our physicality and our urges to be used in, a beautiful, in beautiful, intimate ways with other human beings. To show love in a way that forms a deeply personal connection with another Asking the question, how far is too far, then becomes the wrong question. We know there are many consequences to certain physical encounters. I'm not just talking about sex. You can get STDs and other horrific things from um, oral sex as well. But we know the reasons why having sex in a long-lasting relationship is a good thing. Chemistry, intimacy, security, just to name a few like I mentioned before. Knowing all that, the question should be, I'm a sexual being. I know what gets me going. I care for this person. How do I honor them with my physicality? How do we strive for intimacy? What is the best thing for the other person? Not just how is the other person going to make me feel good? The world tells us how to romance. It says sex-filled, passionate craziness is what is going to fulfill you. It says that Sex, great sex equals intimacy. But it's, it's all, intimacy is the polar opposite of what sex is. Sex is this short-filled, 
short-timed instant gratification thing, um, whereas intimacy comes from long-lasting friendship and hard work. Saying that sex equals intimacy is a Hollywood sham. You could be having the best sex in the world, but if there's no friendship, no fun, no loyalty, you're going to hate your relationship and it's not going to last very long either. Our world isn't going to change anytime soon. It's going to continue to be this hypersexual mess. And we can't withdraw from the world. We, we're called to be in it. We're not called to be of it. We're called to be in it. We need to develop good, healthy habits. Accept that this is part of who God created us to be. That we are designed to passionately love others. We need to create safe spaces and places where we can talk and process this stuff without guilt or shame being flung in our faces. We need to be aware that our perspective can create stumbling blocks for others to come to know Jesus. Sexual physicality is always going to be a tricky subject. And like I said, I'm a huge believer of marriage and that it should be the environment where these interactions take place. But we can't throw the sinner tag around so much. That line of thinking, that way of thinking doesn't help. It just builds more barriers. The thing that sticks out the most for me as I've been preparing this talk tonight is that image of my friend being terrified to come and talk to me about this. And I know there's probably people here tonight in this place who are terrified to talk to the ones they love about this stuff because they feel the shame, they feel this guilt. And my hope is as a person who loves Jesus, who believes in his teachings and the way he teaches us to live life, is that I want to encourage you that you can walk through that and walk into the arms of love here in this place tonight. That it doesn't matter you are loved and you are cared for not only by the people that call this place home, but by an incredible God who loves you amazingly. We can get scarily narrow-minded at times. We need to learn how to journey with people, show them why we believe what we believe, not just using our beliefs, our perspectives as a tool of judgment, just like when the explorer went into the jungle at the beginning of my talk and he did life with them for a year before bringing them out and was there to help talk to him as he learned about this, this perspective, this difference thing. Where sticks and stones were once used to break bones, our words can now cut and separate, build walls greater than the ones in China. We need to be the ones who understand the different perspectives, the ones who go into the jungle to learn. We need to be the ones who understand our own physicality. We need to be the ones who love others regardless. We need to be the ambassadors that Jesus calls us to be. The ones who go after the lost sheep, regardless of where they've ended up, and we find them, and we don't berate them. We lift them up. We put them on our shoulders, and we carry them home saying, it's okay. It's okay. We're going to do this together. Let's go home. This topic 
is massive. And it's relevant and it hurts people. And my hope is that some of these these words that I've said tonight will be helpful. That will that will be freeing or they will encourage you to ask more questions. Or it'll be the thing that gives you permission to ask that person to to pray with you or to to work through things. Maybe this is the motivation to actually go and do the alpha marriage course and learn what it means to be in that kind of relationship. Maybe maybe you caught a glimpse tonight that actually we're not all staring at you thinking that that we're not all talking about stuff like we're not our view isn't a stumbling block, that our view isn't restrictive, isn't discriminatory, that God created this thing out of a, a mindset of beauty, a mindset of, of love and passion and creativity, that it's a beautiful thing, this physicality, that it's, it was designed and created to be this beautiful, wonderful, incredible thing, not this restrictive, judgmental thing. I hope that this talk helps you reassess the way we talk and act upon physicality, knowing that our perspective and our tradition is so countercultural that comes with a level of responsibility to to understand that and also understand how we can be that in this world because this world needs that perspective. For the last couple of years I've gone into schools in with a with an organization called Your Choice and we've we've talked to young people about making good choices and it's terrifying and scary about with some of the answers they give you uh, and some of the feedback they give you in terms of the way that they understand how relationships are, are supposed to be because for a majority of them they base the way they're supposed to do relationships off what they see celebrities do as of what they see uh you know music stars and stuff and movies and stuff do they they believe that for them that is what a relationship is supposed to be what they see on the TV screens and the movies and stuff like that. And so we need, we need to be different. I'm going to invite the band out and um, I'm going to pray to finish the night off. It's a big, uncomfortable night. I thank you for, for sticking with me through this awkwardness tonight because it is, it is an uncomfortable topic. And But I hope you've been able to let things in. Let me pray. Father God, I I thank you for the way that you've made me and the way you've made each and every single one of us, Lord. And I thank you that um, it wasn't by accident that we we feel this way or that we feel the way that want to do these different things, Lord. And Lord, we we pray and we ask that you constantly teach us and guide us how to do life by the way that you want us to be. But Lord, I also pray tonight as we go from this place, may you challenge us, may you encourage us, may you birth something new in us so that we may be ambassadors of your love and your light in this world where there's so much brokenness, there's so much pain that comes out of the stuff that we've talked about tonight, Lord. Help us with the things that we wrestle with, the things that we struggle with. Put us in contact with the people that are going to help us. Well, Lord, I invite you to, to, to do what you need to do, whether it's repairing broken hearts, repairing uh, addictions and things. Lord God, I invite you into this place tonight as well to, to have your way and, and to do what you need to do, Lord. We love you, Lord, and we know that you love us so much. May 
that thinking not be restricted to just this building. May as we go through and we have relationships with other people, may we show them love. May we show them you in each of our different relationships, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.